0: Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm
1: Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. And on today's episode, we have the one and only Steph Taylor, digital product launch strategist and host of the Socialet podcast. And I have to give you the hot tip. I was a bit of a fanboy leading up to this episode. Didn't want to admit that, but you've, I have to get out on the front foot before Lock takes the piss out of me.
0: Yeah, well, well played, sir. Well played, yeah, because I was just going to absolutely barrage you then. But some of her tips and it's actually super practical. So once I think once you like go through information and stuff like that, you feel like you can actually take the next step to do it. And she, I don't know. It just gives you that that sort of feeling. So it was unreal to pick her brain. eh? Ah, a hundred percent. If you look at, if you want to win on the internet,
1: you got to know the skills that that Steph knows and you need to be able to put your game plans, uh, your plans into action and she helps you go through all those different, different steps. And I just, the reason I've liked her for so long and like the work that she does is because I think what she's doing right now
0: is one of the most important skills for anyone looking to start a business. Hey, we're here with Steph Taylor. Um, we've got number one fanboy Rob here as well. And he's so excited for this podcast. I'd, 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 normally we, in, you know, get the guests to introduce themselves and stuff, but I just wanted to put it out there on the record that you're sitting <laughs> with an absolute fan of yours, like a big, big fan. Well, thanks for jumping on, Steph.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me and I really hope I can live up to that intro and maybe maybe collect a few more fans from this episode.
1: <laughs> I like that. I think anyone who's listening before you, you jump off, obviously listen to this episode all the way through, then go check out yeah. all Steph's stuff. Don't just leave us straight for dead yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. but honestly, we've had so many different people on the pod in this sort of game. We had like Sean Ellis, who talks about like growth marketing he helped build like Dropbox. We've had people from like designing banking platforms, all sorts of different things. But this is one skill that I think that people who are wanting to play in the digital world mm-hmm. need to know or need to at least understand the basics of how it works, how it operates, if you want to run a successful online online business. And we're just so stoked to be able to pick your brain today. So thanks for
2: jumping on. Yeah, no worries. Pick Pick away.
1: All right, so what's I want to digital? start with of an easy one. What is what is a digital product launch and, and like what's it all about?
2: Yeah, so let's start with what a digital product actually is, just in case people don't know, um, because I feel like I'm in the oh, we're probably in the same online world where like we throw these words around and we're like, yeah, of course we know what a digital product is. Um, basically a digital product is any kind of online product where you can take your knowledge, package it up into something that can then be sold at scale without you needing to put more time into each unit that you sell. So things like your online courses, your your eBooks, your group programs, memberships, templates. I mean, there's so many different ways, so many different types of digital products to create. Um, And then when I talk about... So that's when I talk about creating a digital product. And then we talk about launching the digital product, which isn't something that just happens the first time you put that digital product out there. It's actually something that you do over and over again, each time you want to drum up some more sales, each time maybe you open and close doors for your course or for your group program or for your membership. And what it really is, is it's like a condensed period of marketing where you're trying to drum up some interest Get people to where they need to be to be ready to buy your product without necessarily just being all salesy, 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 trying to build hype. I think that's what a lot of people think a launch is. They think about, you know, like when Apple does their product launches and how there's so much hype about it, or when like Kanye drops some new sneakers and everybody's like, yeah, gotta have those. That's not really what sells a digital product. There's a whole lot more strategy behind it, which I'm sure we'll get into in today's episode. And that strategy then f- makes up the whole launch.
1: You don't, you don't just come out like Elon Musk and then throw like, throw a brick <laughs> through your own window.
2: Well, look Look, if you have that kind of profile and that kind of presence maybe you don't really need to worry about doing a strategic launch but like most of us don't so that's where having that strategy and being a lot more um, intentional with how you're growing your audience how you're nurturing them before you say hey guys I have a product that's where that all comes into play hey take us back how did you even get into all this? Where did it start for you? Like, what? Take us
1: back to I don't know, uni, pre pre work. Tell, yeah. yeah. Tell us, yeah, start.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually an accountant by um, by trade, I suppose. So I actually, um, I was a qualified accountant for a while. I hated life. I dreamt all day of escaping. I listened to business podcasts while I was faxing documents and filing and all of the other boring stuff that you do as a graduate accountant. And then I one day decided, okay, I'm going to start a business. And I randomly started a health food subscription box business, sending out boxes every month with all sorts of little health food products. Quit my job, ran out of money very, very quickly, ended up having to go work at Part time at a startup doing their digital marketing. It was at the time. It was probably the worst thing that could have happened. I was gutted. You know, like I, I'd, I'd had a lot of people who thought, you know, you can't start a business. Most businesses fail. You're going to run out of money, and that's exactly what happened. I ran out of money. But in going to work for the startup, I uncovered this whole world of podcasts, of uh, marketing, of startups, of entrepreneurs. And that's where I then fell into the online marketing space. That's where I launched my podcast, which started out originally as an online marketing podcast. And I taught everything from Instagram to Facebook ads to email marketing. I was like the generalist online marketing chick. But... Nobody was spending money with me. Nobody wanted to buy my stuff because they would come to me for the free content. And then, if they wanted to learn about Instagram, they'd go to the Instagram person. If they wanted to learn about Facebook ads, they'd go to the Facebook ads person. And it wasn't until I sat down with a business coach at the end of 2018. And I said to her, I was like, I want to launch this course. I want to launch this course. I want to launch this course. But I'm such a generalist. Nobody knows what I do. Um, what's my thing? And she was like, well, obviously your thing is launching. If you're somebody who gets excited about launching all of these different courses, because nobody else likes launching. Um, so that's kind of how I fell into it. I think it's a pretty common thing in the business space where you start out doing one thing and then through a series of pivots, failures, journeys, lessons, you end up doing where what you're doing and what you're supposed to be doing. I fucking love that. Ooh. What was in the, What was in the health boxes? Oh, it was um, all sorts of products that were refined sugar-free. So if you think about like snack bars, baking mixes, anything that was refined sugar-free. So they weren't actually my own products. I was getting other people's products. Um, Some of them were for free. Some of them were cost price, popping them into the boxes and then selling those boxes.
0: Well, like, hey, you, well, I like you. I want to. Yeah, the sugar, sugar, sugar. Free made all about it, all about that <laughs> yeah. healthy life. But one thing I want to say is, we were on your website before, and one thing I love is that all you have to be is curious to to see what you what you're doing, and then you click on it, and like how to launch is how to how to do a podcast, how to do all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's given you ideas, and it's and it's taken you through the the process. And I don't, I haven't really seen that before. I haven't really noticed it um before. But how important is it to you know, when, when you're getting people and landing on your website or whatever it is that they, they, all they have to be is curious and they can sort of go through your process and figure out what you're doing.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's super important, right? So I think a lot of people with their websites, they think about themselves rather than the person who's looking at the website. If you think about it, your website's a journey. You're taking somebody on a journey from when they land on whatever page that they land on through to wherever you want them to be. For some people, that's going to be maybe you want them to listen to your podcast. Maybe you want them to buy from you. Maybe you want them to join your email list. It's so important to have that journey of where you want to take them to. Otherwise, your website just becomes something they land on once. They leave. They forget about you. There's so many so many websites out there. There's so many other distractions out there that if you're not somehow hooking them in and keeping them coming back... Um, whether that's through listening to your podcast or being on your email list or following you on social media, if you're not getting them to come back again, they're going to forget about you.
1: How important is it to make sure that you you turn up and you like serve and make sure that you are always engaging them? What are the things that you can look to do to make sure you have an engaged audience?
2: Mm. Yeah. So definitely that showing, the element of showing up and how that's going to look is so different for different people. I mean, for me, that's podcasting three times a week. For you guys, that's podcasting five times a week. For other people that might be posting on Instagram once a day or doing an Instagram story, as long as your audience knows that they can consi- they can rely on you to consistently show up and you're showing up in the same place, they know where to find you. That's where you st- where they start to know you, like you, trust you. Whereas if you're like, if you're on Instagram one day, then you have a podcast episode and then suddenly you're doing a blog and then you're starting a YouTube channel and then you're back on Instagram. People don't know where to find you. And they, it's really hard to trust somebody who's inconsistent. You want, maybe you want to know them and want to like them, but you can't because you're trying to chase them all over the internet. Um, so yeah, definitely that showing up piece is so important. Um, starting to build that email list, emailing them regularly. We focus so much these days on Instagram because it's so, it's so sexy. Everyone wants Instagram followers, but nobody really cares about email list subscribers. Whereas, and You think about it, like such a small percentage of your Instagram followers see anything that you put up. Whereas you send an email to your list and you might get 20%, 25% of the people opening your email, maybe even more than that. And those are people who are the most engaged. They will click through whatever you tell them to click through. So, yeah, focusing on building that email list and just showing up.
0: Uh, what about um if someone was to engage you for a launch, like you know when you said it's not about pumping with sales, say if they've got like a month to launch, or is it does it need longer? Like how long mm. is a launch? Like is it all different?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. I get a lot of people reaching out to me being like, Steph, I've opened doors to my course. It's day three. Nobody's bought anything. Can you help? I'm like, mate, you should have reached out to me three months ago. I can't actually do anything to help you at this point because all that work starts like 60 to 90 days before you open doors. Everyone thinks it's about drumming up hype and buzz once your product's available. But None of that's going to happen unless you have that groundwork, unless you have, unless you started to share that content, that's going to start to build that know, like, and trust with your audience, unless you're sharing that content, that's getting them ready to getting them to where they need to be, to be, to buy, to buy from you. Uh, We think we think that people are already at the point where they're ready to buy, but most of the time there's a lot of stuff they need to understand about you, about your product, about the problem that you're solving for them before they'll even be ready to buy from you.
0: Oh, so that's like educational content around that. Like, is that like one sort of strategy?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's not, it's not educating them on how to achieve the outcome. So if we think about, my, so I've got a signature course called launch magic. And in that I teach people how to have a launch in my free content. I'm not teaching people how to have a profitable launch. I'm teaching them what they need to know to be ready to sign up for launch magic and have that profitable launch. So I'm instead of teaching them, hey, this is what you do in a launch, I'm saying these are some common mistakes people make in a launch. These are some myths and misconceptions about a launch. Um, these are oh, this is why you don't need to have a big audience to launch. So all of the things that are kind of knocking out the excuses that they might have, um, breaking through the myths, the misconceptions, the mistakes that they're making, that's all your free content rather than trying to teach them how to achieve the outcome that you're teaching in your paid content
0: it's a good way to break out Cause I think a lot of people probably get stuck there. You know what I mean? Like, oh. I feel like that's a massive problem. Yeah.
2: I, I I've done this as well. I used to have a course teaching Facebook ads back when I was the generalist marketing chick that nobody bought from and in my free content, I would try and teach people how to run their Facebook ads. The mistake that I made was I gave them so much value and it's not about not giving value, but I gave them so much to do with my free content, I was trying to teach them how to do these Facebook ads. And when it came to asking for the sale, they were like, well, yeah, I'll buy it one day, but let me just implement the free stuff you've given me first. And then meanwhile, they've forgotten about the fact that I even have a product.
1: Yeah. Can you take us back, like for your, your personal launches, like mm. what was the first thing that you ever launched besides, like, after, after yeah. the, the health boxes, I guess? That- yeah.
2: Um, so the first, the first thing that I launched was my Facebook ads course. So this was called Facebook Ads at Flourish. I launched it at the end of 2017. I had booked a one-way flight to Europe for November. And around July, August, I realized that I had not a whole lot of money and that I was about to leave Brisbane and about to go and spend a couple of months in Europe with no money in the bank. I was working with some clients at the time. I was still working part-time in my marketing job and that was enough to cover my living costs, but it wasn't really enough to save up some travel money. And I started looking around. I was like, how can I bring in a nice little chunk of cash without having to work a whole lot more? And that was where I realized, okay, I have all of these people who are reaching out to me about running their Facebook ads for them, but they have a budget of maybe $100 a month, which is not a whole lot to pay somebody to run your Facebook ads. Like, It's, and it's enough to maybe run your own Facebook ads. So that was where I thought, let me package up what's in my head. Let me put it into a course. Let me launch that and see how it goes. And I think that first launch was a, around, a, around about a ten thousand dollar launch, which was perfect. I launched it a couple of weeks before I went to Europe. I had money to travel. It was fantastic.
1: How did what did you learn from the first like from the first one? How do you review whether or not you've done well mm-hmm. and, and yeah. set expectations? Because I, um, I think that's something yeah. that a lot of like you mentioned before. Hey, my good, my doors are open. Three days mm-hmm. in, I've got no sales, or three days in, I've got <laughs> sales. What, yeah. What, what sort of expectations should you be able to set for yourself or what are the success mm. metrics? Way, I guess you, you figure out, should I be stressed or not?
2: Yeah. Okay. So this is funny you say that because a lot of people, a lot of people look at their launch subjectively and they think oh, only three people bought. It's a failure. Meanwhile, they've only maybe got 10 people in the email list. In which case, like, wow, that's a really good success if 3 people bought out of 10. Um, So making sure that you have those numbers. So looking at, okay, how many people do I have in my audience? How many people are registering for my free webinar or my challenge, if that's what you're using to launch? How many people are looking at my sales page? How many people are buying from that sales page? Looking at all of those numbers and then comparing them to... like comparing them to benchmarks and standards where we can say, okay, objectively, this was a good launch or objectively, this wasn't good. This is what we need to improve on. Um, so looking at like each step of the funnel or the journey that you're taking them on, um, if we know, okay, a hundred people are registering for my webinar and nobody's buying, well, then we know that something in that sales pitch part or your sales page needs to be tweaked and improved. If we know that lots of people are looking at the sales page and nobody's buying, well, maybe there's something wrong with the messaging there. So it's not about looking at the overall launch and saying, Oh, I only got three sales. It failed. It's about looking, okay, three sales out of a hundred, that's 3%. That's not so bad. Um, because yeah, and then knowing, okay, well, if I maybe get a thousand people in next time, that's going to be 30 sales. And looking at how we can tweak all of those different numbers along the way and play an experiment and play with all of the different elements of the launch to start to make it bigger and bigger. And this is why one of my big things is you never just launch your digital product once. You launch it over and over again. That first launch is pretty much always going to be quite a small one unless you have quite a big engaged audience. Um, I look at one of my products. So I have a podcast launch plan product, which is like a $250 how to launch a podcast. The first time I launched that, that brought in about $3,000, which for somebody with an audience my size, I was like, oh, that's not so great. But then I looked at it objectively and I was like, actually, this converts really well. Let me see what happens if I do it again and again and again. And over the stage over the course of about 12 months i scaled that product up to bringing in over 750,000 us dollars from i know it, and if I well, had just like looked. People
0: saying it again, isn't it? It's like people yeah. constantly hitting them again. So what what yeah. do you mean by
1: launch though? So when you say launch it again and again, mm-hmm. take us through, how, how did you, what were the steps you took to, to actually launch that?
2: Yeah. So the, with that one, I already had quite a warm audience and I knew I had people who wanted to learn about podcasting from me. So I skipped a lot of the 60 to 90 days of lead up that I normally would do. I actually didn't even create the product until after I launched it. So I sent an email to my email list saying, this is what I'm putting together. Um, If you want to get it at the early bird price, sign up by this date. And if enough people are interested, I'll create it. If not, I'll refund you. I mean, obviously it was written a bit more eloquently than that, but that was the gist of it. Um, I had, I think, 20 people sign up at the early bird price. I went ahead and created the product in a week. And then I launched it to them. They got, they got the early bird product. And then I thought, okay, let me run a webinar to this, ran a webinar. It was successful, ran another webinar. It was successful and did this a few times over. And now that just runs on autopilot. I really like that. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> is, yeah, yep. <laughs> but a lot of Ooh. people, a lot of people would look at that three thousand dollar launch and they'd say, "Well, that was not good. That was a failure." And then they would leave it there, and they've left what seven hundred and forty seven thousand dollars of money on the table because they thought that the launch was a failure when it wasn't.
0: It's about looking at everything, isn't it? It's about like yeah. analysis. What you what you define as what you like, where your audience lives, all that sort of stuff.
1: We were, we were laughing before when, when uh, we were going through your website, and Locke's like. Look how many fun things there are, like on the <laughs> digital products. Like, how, how do you come up with your different ideas? Because you you do have a lot of different entry points. We're going through like the the, the mm. full the vault, the kit of whatever it is, and it's like there's heaps of there's heaps of good stuff. It's like your IP that you've accumulated for a long period of time. Do you think yeah. there's a lot of people out there, like in our in our world, what we're doing, like as consulting, a lot of people are conscious of, about giving away their own IP. And mm. I think that for us, what we do here on the pod, we've Op- gone the complete opposite similar to the, exactly the same sort of thing that yeah. you're doing is our thing is hey it's all good we'll tell you whatever you need to know and then if you'll come back and you we've built some form of trust and credibility <laughs> we've actually, i've treated you like an idiot and we've talked to you normally but I th- in the game a lot of people are scared to share too much, share too much mm-hmm. and give away their ip but i think that that's where people are getting lost with the, the value of digital products and yeah. why we'll that over a physical product
2: Yeah. And like, I give away a small amount of my IP for free, but in, and to somebody who's just looking at the business from the outside, they'd be like, oh, you're giving away so much IP for free. But the amount that I'm giving away for free is such a small amount compared to what I give away in the paid stuff. A lot. Yeah, it is. And a lot of the stuff that I'm giving away for free is, it's a lot of mindset related stuff. Like what kind of mindset shifts do people need to make to be ready to launch? rather than this is how you do it it's like this is how we're overcoming the things that are stopping you from doing what you want to do
1: oh i really like that (laughs) it's funny because we last year so we've been we did some physical products and some merch last year but Mm. we haven't really been in the process of doing launches and stuff the last what nine months something like that but Mm. um we did we did one last year like uh we put a lot of our content out on linkedin so yeah. Locke, Locke spends all day, every day, peppering and putting yeah, out content playing and playing the platform. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen
2: you guys a lot on LinkedIn. Yeah,
1: <laughs> oh, just flooding the newsfeed. <laughs> and we put out a we put out a freebie called Lock's Guide to LinkedIn, and it was all uh, I was need all that. that. Sort of, uh, it was like mindset stuff. How do you actually go out there? Confidence, be yourself, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Where it's not like not really
0: telling you anything that's like mind-blowingly new. It's just about the confidence and it's about like Mm. you can be yourself on the platform. Like that's how you're going to stand out. Like if you just act like one of the other plebs next door, you know, it's just (laughs) going to be a bit boring. So just like lean into yourself a bit more. But it's just you're blowing my mind with with how you do it as well because I feel like, yeah.
1: It's just funny because like I, I think that one thing I would love to touch on is what is the real value between what you believe is the real value between focusing on, scalable, uh, digital products versus physical products?
2: Hmm. Okay. So I think, I mean, physical products having come from that, like having run my first business as a physical product business, I knew straight away, I was like, I never, ever, ever want to run another physical product business again. I was literally packing boxes in my living room. I know these days, like with FBA and with drop shipping and all of the other things, like you don't have to be physically sending out products anymore. But I was packing boxes in my living room, and no, no logistics companies wanted to talk to me until I was sending out a thousand boxes a month, which meant that I would be packing 999 boxes in my tiny little two-bedroom apartment before people before I could outsource it. So I'd created this business because I wanted the freedom that I couldn't get in my corporate job. But meanwhile, I couldn't actually travel because I had to be here packing and sending orders. So (laughs) having a digital product business. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You guys, have you had the same experience?
1: We had a uh, we had a slides company. We we cl- our claim, what we what was it Australia's first slides company. The first, not the best, the first. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> you know? And this was back in like what twenty seventeen. Yeah, something like so, that. And, and yeah. we had the same thing. We're packing packing slides in the garage, and we had boxes and boxes of these things <laughs> in the garage. And like we weren't living together at that point in time, but. but
0: you, he, I was just hearing messages from him every day. I'm packing another thing. Oh, no worries. Fuck you. Mate. I'm packing another order. <laughs> fuck you. Okay, I'm, I'm cruising. I'm sleeping. Like, good, luck, good luck with the order.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. I look back at the early days of that first business. I was still in my corporate job, so I was side hustling. And I would get... I I had to rent a storage unit just because I was getting all of these orders in from my suppliers. And then I needed to pack the orders and have them picked up by Fastway and Australia Post and all of those people. So I would get all of these orders delivered to um, to my storage unit where they could deliver within business hours. I would then go there after work, pack orders there once I quit my job, then I started getting everything delivered to home and it was like just boxes and boxes and boxes. This room that I'm in right now was, I mean, your listeners can't see it, but it's like, it's maybe about a three meter by three meter room. It was floor to ceiling boxes. (laughs) It's wild. (laughs) So yeah, I guess the advantage of having a digital product business now is I don't have to keep any inventory. I can run my business from anywhere. I just got back from a month in New Zealand where I was running my business as usual I can take a month off twice a year, which is now... That's my new thing. I, run my, I teach my course live for 12 weeks twice a year. In between course launches, I, last, my last month off, I have got a van and traveled around. Next time off, I'm going and doing the Larapinta Trail and just chilling out doing all sorts of things where I don't need to be online.
0: Oh, well, how important is that balancing? Because is it something that you learned through going through this now and, and like mm. obviously putting so much time and effort into launching and, and getting yourself set up now? Is it like, all right, I'm doing this forever now. I just need to yeah. make sure I'm enjoying <laughs> life and, and getting away from it all and, and you know, getting some energy back.
2: A hundred percent. I think we burn out very easily um, us entrepreneurs. Um, it's very easy to be like idea, idea, idea. I just wanting to chase all of the different ideas And then you get to a point where you're just so exhausted and you stop having those ideas. I got to that point earlier this year where I was just, I was done. Like I was exhausted. I was feeling burnt out. And it wasn't until I took that time away from my business that I started to get excited about it again. And I started to have those ideas. It was like I was in survival mode and I couldn't be creative until I got away from it. Um, I know some people thrive on just hustle, 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 but then like, there's got to be a point where you burn out. You need to, you need to take that time and rest. Um, The other thing is I didn't start my business to create another job. I was unhappy in corporate. I wanted to be able to travel more. So it makes no sense that I would create a business where I'm unhappy and don't enjoy running it. So now when I plan my year, I strategically look at it. Okay, I want to take February off. I want to take September off, for example. Okay, how can I fit my launches in? How can I design the rest of my year to bring in the income that's going to support what I want to achieve and that's going to give me the freedom to take that time off?
1: Oh, I really like
0: that. that oh. You've stepped back and looked at it. So you look at every yeah. year, it's like things can change and then every year you got a new game plan. So is that the Pretty much like every year to do that um, consistently? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it even changes, it even changes on a quarterly basis. So a couple of opportunities popped up less than a month ago and I had to shuffle a few things around for the second half of this year. And I'm okay with doing that because I still fit it all in around my time off.
1: I like that. Our partner of the show, Heaps Normal, I don't know if you've seen them, they're the non-alcoholic beer company. They're- oh, Yes. So they're our partners of the show. And oh, a awesome. uh, question we like to ask, that I think it's a perfect topic that you're following on from is what's your version of heaps normal? So in those times where you're feeling burnt out, what's the things that you turn to to give yourself a bit more energy back in your life?
2: Mm, I am an introvert, so I run away. I, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I recently, I was, I, I just took off on a five day hike by myself. Um, no yeah, way, five days. Five days by myself in with backpack, um, a with backpack. Backpacks, some water um the food it's you, bring? Oh, you know like dehydrated food your camping food um, your hiking food well,
0: I'm, <laughs> oh, mate, oh, I'm a McDonald's sort of cat so you know
1: the dehydrated like, stuff and I if we five days i reckon I'd be oh. dead and I'd be gnawing <laughs> on his <laughs> leg
2: <laughs> but it's it's so when when every when, when the noise of social media inbox business when it gets just overwhelming there's something about being able to put every put everything you need to live in your back on your back in a backpack and go and take off and i mean it wasn't it wasn't like i was really in the middle of nowhere nowhere i did run into like maybe five people over the over the 5 days like, that i was into there the wild, the movie, into, into the basically yeah, yeah yeah um and living in a tent just chilling out doing nothing walking you realize how little any of the noise matters and that's where you start to reset and you think actually you know what like that's a cool idea that's a cool idea and just walking by yourself for days and days on end you're having all of the conversations in your head you're overthinking everything that you could possibly overthink so that by the time day five rolls around there's nothing you can overthink anymore your brain's just quiet and that feels so good so yeah that's my heaps normal oh
0: that's it's like getting a, back the best heaps we've had, oh. I so it's like getting getting back to your values and <laughs> what you actually really want because you can get easily sucked into this world yeah like, the hustle shit yeah oh.
2: yeah and i mean living you guys maybe get this a little bit easier because you're not living in a city but i live on a main road like i'm surrounded by noise by clutter like just being out in nature feels like just such a nice reset for the body
1: how do you break through the noise of people? Like we mentioned that hustle culture, mm-hmm. I feel like you taking an example of taking planning your year around, taking time off in this space of like e-com or people trying to like do shit online. <laughs> I feel like hustle culture is just like in your mm-hmm. face all day, every day. What are your thoughts around it?
2: Yeah. And I, I struggle with it as well um, in that I'm very, I'm a very, like I, I don't work hard, I don't think I work hard, but often I will see somebody else posting something that maybe glorifies the hustle culture, or I'll look at a competitor and I'll see that they are doing a million things. And then I start to feel that panic of oh, am I not doing enough? But I think really realizing like in the bigger picture, in the longer term, it you don't need to be constantly doing more, more, more. Like there is there is definitely space to be doing less, but more intentionally. And there are always going to be people like the Gary V's of the world telling you that if you're not hustling hard, you don't want it enough. But I've also seen people who've burnt out and who've given up on their business and gone back to jobs because they hustled too hard and they just stopped loving it. And I never want to be in that situation. What's
1: the, what type of content do you consume then? So when you're not... When you're not- mm. when you are in content consumption mode what are you learning from
2: yeah so I like I like looking to people who aren't necessarily in the online business space that I'm in I like to look to other industries so I look to people like um James Clear I don't know if you guys know him the author of Atomic Atomic Habits Habits. Yeah. yeah 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 um Near Eyal, he wrote Hooked and a couple of other books. So yeah, Indestructible, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, Cal Newport, those kinds of people because they have bigger ideas that can then be relevant, not just to you know improving your life, but improving your business as well. Um, so I, I try not to consume too much content. If I'm listening to podcasts these days, it's going to be a comedy podcast or it's going to be something easy to listen to. But if I am learning stuff, it'll be from a book or from a course. What
1: have you oh, been loving at the moment?
0: What? What's the book you just got? School of Life. What are they? Oh, School. I love everything. Oh, yeah, he's life.
2: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Everything, even even the way like or even the articles online. Like they've I've got a couple of the hard copy books, but I'm a, I'm a hard copy hero. But mm. I know you like the audibles and stuff. But um, yeah. honestly, like what they the emotional intelligence around. I think they just they mm. they fit in nicely. I think people need to. You know, read that and and and. I agree. To it's been amazing. Yeah, but. yeah, I love
2: that. It's so funny. Yeah, some people are the hard copy camp. I'm very much Kindle camp because you can highlight things, and then there's an app called Readwise which will import all of your Kindle highlights and make them into like little flashcards on your phone. And then each day you log in, so it's like a they've almost gamified learning. You log in and you can review five of your flashcards every day. And if it's something that you really want to remember, then what you can do is you can turn it into like a quiz kind of flashcard and test yourself on it so you don't forget it. So there's a little oh. pro tip for, le- for remembering what you actually read because when you're reading so much content, it's so hard to remember it all.
1: I like that. That's blowing my fucking mind. That's like yeah. My, my that's like cheating, in, isn't my it? My sister's yeah. in her final yeah. year doing her vet degree, and she stayed with us a couple weeks uh, for a, a couple of weeks uh, doing a placement. But she's always doing a study with flash. She still uses the old handwritten flash card. She's writing up herself, sticking yeah. around. So that's what it is. Just like, yeah, you
2: just... it basically yeah it is. So it just imports them automatically. If you read Medium, I don't know if you know the platform Medium, where people blog on there, you can connect your Medium account as well. Hi, imports your highlights from there into flashcards. Yeah, it's great.
1: Oh my god, we're gonna get well, what other tips you got? <laughs> tips? <laughs> Give us the blueprint.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, hey, tell us about going into what what goes into building a, like a, a roadmap. So what do you have to go if it's a launch roadmap or whatever you're doing? What's What are some steps, some basic things that people can take away from this chat?
2: Yeah. So I think firstly, knowing what the problem that you're solving is and what that outcome is. So if you, it, it's really, what I see a lot is people will just be like, oh, these are all of the things I can teach. And then they just throw it out there and there's no real defined start and end point. So if you, if you can define where your people are starting from and where you want to get them to, then that gives you a structure to work with for your framework. Then you brain dump, okay, this is everything I can teach. And then you pull little bits. You're like, okay, this is what I need to put to get them from the start point to the end point. Everything else is just fluff and it's slowing them down. And that's like the, that's the gist of how you would get them from that start point to the end point. In terms of figuring out what that start point is, not enough people talk to their audience. We all like to just guess and think, well, oh, yeah, this is, of course that's what they're struggling with. Of course they want that. Meanwhile, they want something completely different. So, yeah, talking to your audience, figuring out exactly where they are and where they want to be, so important.
0: You can't make assumptions that people are going to click the buy button. Would you no. Just, yeah. You, would you just could be going back and forth, back and forth, trying stuff, and that's just wasting yeah. time, isn't it? So is it yeah. finding creative ways to engage your audience or it just doesn't matter, like direct polls or just just talking just, to them? Just
2: talking to them. Uh, yep. You know, like if you have people who are engaged, who are always replying to your emails or commenting on your posts, message them, DM them, email them. And if you can be like, Hey, do you want to jump on a 30 minute zoom call? I'll can I, I've got 15 minutes of questions I want to ask. And then you can pick my brain for 15 minutes and you find out, you start to ask them like, Hey, what are you struggling with? How can I help you? And see what they ask, see what words they use, because often, you know, the way that they describe the problem isn't how we, as the experts, describe the problem. Um, so figuring out like where they're at, how you can help them, what the dream outcome looks like for them, and then taking that and using that as your research, rather than sitting on the idea, planning it, trying to make up and fill up, uh, fill in all the gaps yourself
1: what are the, what are the, some of the biggest fuck ups you've seen? So I'm sure you've seen some shockers (laughs) because you would have helped with so many people and seen lots of things. No, no, name, don't have to name names. I might just give you
2: my own. I'll just tell you my own. (laughs) I think probably the biggest one I, um, I was running a live webinar. I had 700 people registered for this webinar and I went to go live and the platform crashed. It was, yeah, it was like mid morning Australian time and the customer support team were obviously based in the U S they'd gone offline for the day. So I had no live chat support. I had no idea what was going on. I had this inbox that was filling with emails of people who were like, I just put my kids to bed so I could watch this. I'm so disappointed. And I was like, Oh, this is horrible. Um, so yeah, I I went home from that, poured myself a massive glass of wine, climbed into bed and cried. (laughs) So that's probably the worst one that's happened. Um, I've had a few products that I've launched that just nobody's really bought. And that was, again, because I made that mistake of not talking to anybody, not realizing that people didn't actually want what I was selling or realizing that not realizing that the way that I was selling it to them wasn't in the messaging just wasn't aligned. I was using words that when I maybe they wanted the solution but the way I was describing the solution they were like no nah, I'm good I don't need that
0: oh, oh
1: my god what well, is there any like key takeaways in terms of messaging so like in terms of comms mm-hmm. you over you like is it have you got a certain like language type that you like to use that helps convert better or like is not convert convert's not the right word but more like yeah persuade. you know I don't know if I'm yeah interested. like res- res-
2: resonates <laughs> not, resonates probably the best <laughs> the way, yeah,
1: yeah um,
2: yeah. So the the best language to use to resonate is their language. So using their words. Um James Wedmore, I don't know if you guys follow James Wedmore, but he uses a really good analogy where he says, okay, so you're the expert in headaches. Your audience has a headache. They're wandering around being like, I've got this bloody headache. I just want to fix it. You know, as the expert, you know that their headache is caused by dehydration. But if you go to them and you say, hey, here's this cure for your dehydration, they're going to say, no, thank you. I've got a headache. So we want to meet them where they are at and use the language that they are using, not use the expert language, the jargon. It's not about demonstrating how much you know. It's about saying, okay, here you are. I see where you are. I have the solution to the exact problem you want.
0: I like, oh, I like that. And it, and I just think the big key is just have the confidence to talk to your audience. Don't be too afraid to mm. reach out. You're not too cool for this. You're not too cool for that. You, you need to be actually engaging with your community.
2: A hundred percent. And especially when your business is small, because once you start to scale, it becomes a whole lot harder to keep that, keep those little relationships that you have with the people in your audience. But when you're starting small, you have the time, you have the small numbers of people in your audience, talk to them, use them. They are like, they are the untapped source of gold that you can use to come up with these ideas, to create your products, to create your content just talk to them. And it's scary. I know it's scary. We don't want to, we all, none of us want to get rejected. None of us want to ask, Hey, can we jump on a call? No. Why would I want to jump on a call with you? Nobody wants that. But most of the time they will say yes, because you're giving them value as well.
1: It must be cool knowing that you forgot people uh, all over uh, different countries going through and and doing your course. Is that is that still a bit of a buzz? Knowing like yeah, I think like like yeah. me doing things like on the internet, you know, like you make this thing you sit in <laughs> Brisbane, you put it out there, and it's like fuck, someone's someone over in I don't know Japan or something yeah, doing they're, this. They're, digging yeah. it, they're digging
2: it. That, it's that weird. I find it so weird. Um, I find it weird when I jump on a call with a client and they're like, oh, you know, like I fangirl you. I'm like what me like i'm yeah exactly i'm like i'm just running
1: this
2: (laughs) i'm just running this little business out of my spare bedroom like it's it yeah it kind of it's funny because this is what i've wanted to build for so long but it doesn't feel real i'm still have to pinch myself that this is what i have built
1: i was
0: laughing remember when we sent a pair of slides to israel (laughs) Yeah, we did. And it cost us like 80 bucks in shipping. And we were just like, you know what, we're losing money on this. But, you know, what, someone in Israel is wearing it.
2: (laughs) How epic. That's awesome.
0: It was was annoying. (laughs) That made us want to do
1: digital
2: products.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's what's on for the rest of the year for you?
2: Yeah, so I'm... I'm at the moment. I'm teaching my course, so I closed doors to that five weeks ago. We kicked off. We're in week five, and it's kind of like my downtime because the content's there. I've taught it before, and it's just a matter of showing up live and teaching the lessons each week. Um, so it's kind of like a chill time for me. In the in, while I'm doing that, I'm also focusing on a lot of growth things. And then I go into affiliate launches. So I'm an affiliate for a couple of other people who have online courses who I've learned from in the past. And so I, I launch those to my audience as well. And then I go into, then I take a month off and then I go into my own launch. So that's for the rest of my year.
0: Oh, the formula. <laughs> the formula's there. Before, before we let you go, I want, we, we talk about community a lot. And I want to know the importance of, of nurturing that community and, and, and that, what, how, what does community mean to you?
2: Mm, Community for me, community is not just about me talking to that community, but them talking to each other and building those relationships with each other that they wouldn't have other people building those relationships with people. They wouldn't have otherwise connected with, if not for my podcast or my course or wh- wherever they're finding each other through my little universe. I think that's what I want my community to be like.
0: It oh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: thank yeah. you so much for jumping on and having a chat. It's been unreal to pick your brain. I hope we didn't
2: butcher it. No, this is, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much guys.
0: Steph Taylor. Unreal. I mean, I'm going to, I think I'll, that's one of the episodes I'll be going back over and over again and, and looking back and saying far out, like what like you said earlier, that like that skill and, and what she sort of, the, the field she's playing is unreal, especially for today's world, you know? 100%. And they, what a, I can't believe she just goes off and goes off in the distance,
1: disconnects completely. I oh know that's pretty crazy, isn't it? We, we need to do that. I think. Yeah, we need to start disconnecting. But anyway, I hope you I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're new to the pod, we re- we release guest pods Monday, Thursday, snacks pods coming at your hot Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. But we started to change our minds now a little bit. And sometimes we just drop them whenever. So that's sort of the plan. But from now on to maybe we might just drop some because we can.
0: I like that. You just never know what you're gonna get with the funny business boys, you know? Keep it fresh.